This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 19th, 2022. Birth of the Church, Strengthened by Fire. Freedom. Liberation. Emancipation. Juneteenth. A time to remember what was and to dream about what could be. A time to learn about our history and plan for a better future together. A time to recognize and honor our differences and refuse to ignore them. A time to rejoice in the beauty of diversity and to celebrate our common humanity. A time to pray for equity, fairness, progress, and justice. A time to consider how far we've come and take another step forward together. So here at Connection Community Church, we have, are, and will continue to take intentional steps to embrace our diversity. Throughout the last couple years, we've had some Sunday morning times, we call them the talk, where things are uh, shared and we try to um, understand even more that God created us beautifully and equally. And um, here at Connection, we believe that to the core. Our core value, we have eight of them, and one of them is people. All people matter to God. No one is disposable. So this is where we draw, draw a line in the sand as a church. We stand against all opposition of evil and injustice, and we will continue to lean in, and tomorrow, we're off. It's a, fe- it's a holiday, but it's not just to be off. It's to reflect on the freedom and the emancipation of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Tomorrow, in your inbox, through your email, you will receive some information about Juneteenth. This is something that we have just been learning about over the last couple years, and some of you may not know about it. And so there's some resources that will be provided for you tomorrow morning in your email through um, Connection Community Church. We look forward to continued time where together we can celebrate 
and care for one another. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for today. Thank you that um, this, um, I hate to call it a holiday, but this uh, proclamation was made so that there can be a focus on uh, the enslaved people being free. We have a lot of work to do, Lord. But help us as a church uh, continue to press in and press on. We thank you, Lord, for liberating each one of us through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Make us an instrument of your peace. Help us be bold to care for and uplift one another. And we thank you for the divine purpose that you have for each one of us. We thank you for Connection Church as together we, we um, embrace one another as we live out our mission to connect all people to Jesus and the new life he offers. I pray this in your holy name. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. So good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. It's week three of our series, The Birth of the Church, uh, where we're looking at uh, the first uh, nine or ten chapters of the book of Acts. So far, we've considered the church on fire. And last week, we looked at the church under fire. Today, we're going to look at the church strengthened by fire. All right, so... Here's some good news. The good news is in the beginning of the book of Acts, the church was born. The church is growing. A number of disciples, that's followers of Jesus, are increasing rapidly. But along with any growth, challenge comes. I remember back when we started the church about year three or four, we had grown rapidly and some of the infrastructure was like caving in because we didn't have everything in place. Well, that's what's happening here. Some of the infrastructure needed some help. And in this particular case that I'll share, there were some inequities in the daily food distribution among widows. God cares about this. And so we're told that the 12, that's the 12 disciples, already had their hands full. They were proclaiming the word of God. They were um, working with people to share that word. And so they, um, there were seven people who were identified to be full of the Holy Spirit. That was a requirement. And they would handle this food distribution. The 12 prayed about this, laid hands, and empowered them to be in charge. And the good news is that the Christianity, people coming to Christ, continued to spread rapidly. And so we have a, an important lesson right here in the beginning of, of the book of Acts, chapter 6. The 12, as, as strong in faith as they were, they knew that they weren't supposed to do it all. Say with me, I can't do it all. Amen and amen. They couldn't do it all, and that hasn't changed in 2,000 years, has it? See right here at CCC, nobody can do it all. But, but we can do what we're supposed to do if we do what God calls each of us to do. Amen? Amen. And that's important for us to try to be aware to be tuned in to what God is calling each of us to do. The Holy Spirit has gifted every believer with at least one spiritual gift. That's what Scripture tells us. 
We're told that in Scripture, at least one. Now the question is, am I aware of my gift and am I using it? Am I aware and am I using it? Because if we do, God has given Connection Church everything Connection needs to do what God's calling Connection to do. He's given all we need. We just need to be aware of those gifts and be utilizing those gifts. And here's the other thing to remember. Every gift is important. Every gift is important. You think, I want to be a leader. Well, if everybody was a leader, this place would be in trouble. <laughs> you know, server's important. I hear somebody say, well, I'm just an usher. You got to take just out of that sentence. Just, it's not just, no, God has empowered you to serve. God has empowered you with gifts. And ushering is a crucial job. Well, I just do hospitality. Just do hospitality. Come on, people. There's no just when we're talking about what we're empowered, God's empowered us and gifted us to do. Here's the thing. If you're not familiar with your spiritual gifts or even what spiritual gifts are, uh, keep your eyes uh, out for the next, next network class because that's what it's uh, the purpose of the class is to teach you and get you geared up and aware and empowered using your gifts. So we have three services here at Connection, two on Sunday and one on Monday. And it takes a lot of volunteers at any given time. We've got like 50 volunteers. So if you're not serving, please see one of the logistic uh, people. They stand at the desk out there and you can say, hey, I'd like to jump in. And we've got some places for you to jump in. All right, back to Jerusalem, back to the book of Acts. One of the seven that was chosen to deal with this food inequity, this food distribution, his name was Stephen. He helped with that and so much more. He performed signs of wonders. He performed uh, miracles full of the grace of God and power. It wasn't Stephen. It was God's power in and through him. Well, whenever uh, God is on the scene and there's things like this happen, of course, there's opposition. That's what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. And in this case, there was some opposition that arose. There were some out-of-town Jews that stirred up some trouble secretly. And so they brought Stephen in before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the, uh, like the Jewish Supreme Court. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've been saying how like Peter and John, they keep getting hauled in to, you know, be thrown in prison or this or that. And this is happening to Stephen. They brought false testimony against Stephen. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 14, um, the reason is that they heard him say, that Jesus will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down. See, he was God in the flesh, and they just didn't agree with that. Yet, in the midst of all this opposition, all this deceit, this slander that was up against Stephen, Stephen remained calm and cool. How did he do it? Well, we know how he did it. It was the power of the Holy Spirit in him. Verse 15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. The next chapter of Acts, um, chapter 7, opens with the high priest asking Stephen if these charges are true. 
Well, Stephen refutes the charges, and he replies, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. And then for the rest of that chapter 7, he shares basically a condensed history of the Hebrew people. He really condenses it. <laughs> the whole Old Testament's down to one chapter. <laughs> from Abraham to Moses to David, from tents in the desert to, uh, to the temple that Solomon built. Stephen then points to the Most High God and says that he does not live in houses made with human hands. And then Stephen shares this, Acts 7, 51 through 53. You stiff-necked people. That's certainly uh, how to win friends and influence people, isn't it? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. He's really gaining points now, everybody. <clears throat> Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. Whew. On fire. So Stephen may have had the face of an angel, but he certainly had the boldness of like a bull and a... Anyway, he was very bold. He reminds his accusers that just like those who went before them, uh, the others resisted the Holy Spirit. The others, you know, shouted crucify. I mean, he really went at it. And he said that, you know, you betrayed the righteous one. Well, he tells them that they received the law given through angels, but they have not obeyed it. He is really holding them accountable. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Who here likes to be held accountable? Come on. Just me? <laughs> Not. <laughs> Not. Being held accountable is no fun, is it? It's challenging. It's difficult. We've shared this book before, a guy named um, um, uh, 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 Leonard Sweet. He's a pastor. He's a professor, a uh, seminary professor, and he's a prodigious writer. He has this book called Eleven. Eleven Indispensable Relationships We Can't Live Without. He uses Bible characters to talk about these relationships, using that as examples. And he says the, the one we can't live without, he doesn't use the term uh, accountability partner, but in effect, that's what it is. He calls this person an editor, an editor, and, and says we all should have one. I got one. Right here. <laughs> Literally, the message you're hearing right now, I wrote, she edits. You want to tell them how that process sure. works? Sure. <laughs> Just See, in case you're yeah. wondering, we have a worship design team who prays about and comes up with, with themes and how and different elements of the service. And then um, Alan sits down and writes because it's really hard for two people to write at once. At least for me. So he writes. And then I get it. And then I read it and begin to... Fix it. Take a look at things that may need to be tweaked or 
change or may make sense to him, but might not make sense to us. And, and, and it goes through, and Alan does such a great job with writing, writing the messages with the basis of the message, but then what you see becomes an, a collaborative effort. This is, I think this is a 3.0 or a 4.0. Because what will happen is I'll send to Herschel. And remember, is it, anybody here ever have to share what somebody else wrote? It's not an easy thing to do, especially if you see it's like, you know, so I send it to her, she tweaks it, especially things that way she would say, and then she said, I tweak it, and then there's a lot of tweaking. I think the most we've ever tweaked is a 7.0. That's a lot of back and forth on that one. But sometimes it's one or two, you know, but it all depends. It all depends on the subject and on how we're seeing it and how God's bringing it to us and that sort of thing. But, uh, but it works. It's challenging because it's not fun being edited, is it? I just have to say, I'm not sure who's, who's reading this, but then I also tweak on the spot when it's like, mm, okay. So that's, that's, I hear that's a carry point now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It's like, I anyway. don't want to say that. Anyway. So, so where was I? Okay, so editing. You know, and, and it's not easy being in a, and you know, there's editing more than just on this page. She's actually like my life editor, you know, like she's the one, I'll give you an example. Um, I um, had two sisters, mother, wife, three daughters. I've been surrounded by girls all my life, all right? And a lot of days I still don't get it. Guys, can I get an amen? Amen, amen brother. Okay. Uh, yeah. We all get that, and, and for good reason, because we're wired different and all that kind of thing. So some days, Carrie has to say, Alan, you really should call, fill in name of daughter, and when you said blah, blah, I, I think you hurt her feelings. Well, the last thing I want to do is hurt my daughter's feelings. Thank you, Carrie. Because, you know, I didn't do it on purpose, but I maybe did it. Next day, Alan, fill in name of daughter. <laughs> no, not every day, but... You get the point, right? She, she um, tells me maybe when I've said something to her, not just her kids, maybe people, somebody in church, maybe suddenly I'm very task-focused, you know? Done a lot of apologizing over the years. I'm sorry I walked over you to get to the kitchen because I had to get something done. I'm sorry I didn't say hello. You might say, Alan, you probably should have helped her up after you ran over her <laughs> on the way to the kitchen. Um, uh, she, she would tell me if I've overstepped, if I said something I thought was funny and it was ignorant or it was stupid or it was... Hurtful, you know, something this like that. This really doesn't sound good, Alan. Huh? <laughs> huh? This sounds like not good. This is real. Uh, isn't it real? I mean, come on. Um, so, uh, and let's face it, we don't like to be told by somebody that we've messed up, do we? Or that we need to. But it's helpful, it's painful, but it's helpful, and it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. Um, and just to bring this to a close, because we don't want to beat this to death. Um, I, most, a lot of days I know Carrie doesn't think so because sometimes I don't take it as appreciatively as I should, but I'm very glad I have an editor, and I'm very glad it's Carrie. And I would encourage you, if you don't have an editor, get one as soon as you can. There you go. So he's mine as well, but there's also a lot of people. 
takes a lot more to edit like there's like 20 more people that have to edit me so i really appreciate the accountability that my uh, husband and my friends and family call me to because all i want to do is honor god and honor honor you but i really mess up a lot of times all that to say accountability is important and if you need an editor get one yeah all right so Stephen was sharing this very kind of brutal message, you stiff-necked people. And um, we read in Scripture, actually last week and the week before, we talked about Peter, who also was very bold. And actually that worked out well for, well, not in the end, but for a while it worked out for Peter because people listened to him. Now, what happened with Stephen is he just got people madder and madder and madder and ticked them, up, ticked them off, and then they wanted revenge. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, Stephen telling them that they're like their ancestors, they were furious, gnashed their teeth, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing right at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, God gave him a gift. Stephen was going to need this uh, as Alan continues to share what happens. This is interesting. I mean, he's going for the throat and now he's, you know, he, he told them how stiff-necked they are, stubborn, obstinate, pointing the you killed Jesus finger at him. And, and, then, and then he's got them, he's got them gnashing their teeth. Who here has gnashed their teeth in the last month? There you go. Barry. Yeah, because if you <laughs> grind your teeth, that's, that's <laughs> gnashing your teeth. But I think gnashing is doing it really emphatically, you know, very emphatically. Um, anyway, so he's got them so upset that they're upset, they're grinding their teeth. And then, and then we have this 180 full of the Holy Spirit. He gets all heaven-focused, sees God's glory. Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father, saying, and he says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Hello. I mean, he's got them. He has plucked their last nerve, hasn't he? He's just plucked it, and they are they're ready. Okay, so let, let me give you an example of this might, what this might look like. So I can't remember when because it happened so long ago and it's only happened once in, in our, our marriage. marriage. But there was a time when we didn't agree. <laughs> Just one. That day. So we weren't seeing eye to eye. And I don't even know what the issue was, but we were both pretty upset. It was upset. probably something stupid. Probably. Yeah. It usually is. And it's stu it, we were frustrated and kind of getting a little more worked up about that. And so... The next thing I know, like, we're talking, and Alan looks at me and says, I'm going to walk away I'm from this. I'm not going to engage. I'm going to choose not to. I'm going to choose to not engage. Not with you today. What do you think happened with me? <laughs> it's not like, oh, that's such a great idea, honey. Now it's like, what do you mean we need to get this worked out right now? I'm gnashing my teeth just saying it. But see, that's what happened. Like Stephen was just making, in, in the peacefulness that God was giving him, he just fired them up worse. Like they got madder and madder. 
That's what happened when Stephen fired up the religious leaders, and Stephen gets all Jesus-centered and heaven-focused. So we're at Acts 7, 54 through 60. Check this out. At New International Version. When the members of the San... You, you didn't get quite this upset when I... When no, I, no. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, gnashed their feet, teeth at him. Am I at the right place here? Yeah. And... Um, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. Oh, wait a minute, I'm at the wrong place, 54 through 60. I'm editing. Yeah. You know what? You know what it is? I had the wrong verse there. Uh, the, I had the wrong, I mean, the right passage, but the wrong okay. numbers. Let me read it off the page. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. I don't remember you rushing at me that day, but dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Stone him means they're throwing rocks, big rocks, trying to kill him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. I'm not sure I could do that one, guys. I don't know about you, but wow. Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he said this, he fell asleep. So stoning was allowed in this culture under certain instances. And this is what Stephen was experiencing. And it's just mind-boggling to think that his response is this, um, first, Lord, receive my spirit, which I... That, that makes sense, but Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Doesn't it sound like Jesus on the cross? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. If I just had a smidgen of this faith and, and even forgiveness that Stephen displayed during his life, and especially his death, Wow, what, a, what an incredible witness we have here in this man named Stephen. Mm. As a result, Stephen is the first Christian, what we call martyr, first to give his life for the faith. His death is the beginning of an all-out war against the followers of Christ. Check this out. Acts 8, 1 through 3, there's a, there's a little piece of in fact, when I copied this down for the slide here, I, I missed this first part, the first part of verse 1. Saul approved of their killing of him. That's really important. Saul approved their killing of him. Then it goes on to say, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So now we have a new character that's been introduced, Saul. And Saul approved of the killing. Saul is his name in Hebrew. Paul is his name in Greek. See, what happens to Saul is absolutely miraculous because his life is turned upside down 
and completely changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. And it is Paul, the new man, born again, who wrote much of the New Testament. And so God used him in an incredible way. And we will share about Paul, Saul becoming Paul, next week. But for now, it's Saul. And he is on a rampage to kill, to throw in prison, to do whatever he can to stop the spread of Christianity. Mm. Yeah, when it says destroy the church, that doesn't mean tear down the building. That's not the church. The church is the people. And he's, he's on, like you said, a rampage to stop those people who are following Christ. And he said, funny thing is, the intent of not just all, but the leaders is to stop the crazy Christ followers from sharing this good news, right? They want to dampen that down. And because that good news is anything but good as far as they're concerned. Because it's messing with everything that they hold dear and also messing with what's working for them, so to speak. Unfortunately for them, though, their actions help bring about just exactly the opposite of what they're hoping for. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. <laughs> Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they, pay, they all <coughs> play, paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out from men of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. When you're persecuted like this, man, if you hang in there, you're going to be faithful because, like our friends in India, oh my gosh, those, those people in that church, they're wild for Jesus because they, they got to be. Swords are often made from what's called tempered steel. Anybody ever heard the term tempered steel? Yeah. Simply put, it's probably not this simple, but simply put, it's steel that's been subject to high heat. It's been put in the fire, so to speak. And that results in greater strength. So that sword doesn't break it, you know. That's what happens to these guys in India. They're put in the fire, so to speak, and it makes them stronger. That's what happened to this early church, the people in the early church, the early Christ followers. The fire they were subject to didn't destroy them. It made them stronger, encouraging them to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, starting in Jerusalem. Then that fire spread to Judea and Samaria and eventually to the ends of the earth, just as Jesus had said back there before he departed. So the church that we're part of, we're Connection Community Church, but we are part of the United Methodist denomination. And right now, the denomination is very, very divided. Actually, it has been divided for a very long time, and it's just kind of ramping up. But this discussion has been going on for about 50 years. It is not one issue. 
it seemed like it was one issue, but it is not one issue. It is issues that are core, even including the resurrection and the divinity of Jesus Christ. There is a lot going on, and sometimes what we see and what we hear within our denomination just absolutely breaks our heart. We are in the more conservative camp, the end of this uh, divide. I'm sad to say that there's a divide, but there is. And some days it's really, really difficult to be. Um, it's a difficult place to be. And we're under fire. We're under fire. And it's hard to be under fire for what we believe as truth of what the scripture says. And we are so grateful to the Holy Spirit who gives us strength and to our Christian brothers and sisters, that's you, who uh, undergird and love and carry us when it is very difficult. And um, yeah, every church, including this one, there are all kinds of understandings of scripture and we understand that and actually we need to uh, care for one another in our differences. The greatest lie is that because we disagree, we, we hate and that is not true. You can disagree and love at the same time. As our denomination continues to struggle and... Um, some things continue to ramp up, which um, Alan and I are part of. We just ask for your prayers. But the other thing that we want to say to you is that Connection Church has a mission, and the mission is to connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. And this can go on here, and this can go on here, and we might not agree, but the one thing that we all agree on is our mission. And it's our mission that brings us together, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. But sooner or later, we all have fire in our lives, amen? <laughs> sooner or later. Some more than others, timing various, but we all have at least some. And the question will be, is the fire going to destroy us or is it going to make us stronger? Will it burn down our house, so to speak, or will it temper us as it does steel? It doesn't mean it's pleasant to go through or that we look forward even to those challenging times. Going through the fire usually isn't much fun. You know, the early church, it wouldn't be a fun, part to, fun to be part of that, just like it isn't, to be, it isn't fun to be a, it isn't uh, really that easy to be a Christ follower in many parts of the world today. But Jesus can use that fire for good. Jesus used that fire for good for the benefit of you and me, for others, through the power of the Holy Spirit, if we let him. If we let him. If we call on his name, if we remember that God is in charge, amen? God's in charge. God's already written the end of the story. We already know who wins. 
Yeah. And the thing is, we all know when God is in charge, everything's going to be okay. In fact, it's not just going to be okay, it's going to be good. In fact, if you go back to Genesis, this is not going to be okay, not just going to be good, it's going to be very good. It's going to be very good. Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ, risen, the right hand of the Father, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're in good hands, amen? Amen. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, Father's Day, Father, (laughs) please help us to never forget that in the midst of the fire, you're in charge. Please help us to not let the fire destroy us, but to make us stronger, Lord. Please help us to ever turn to and allow that Holy Spirit to give us the strength we need to be your uh, missionaries in the world. Carry the good news, not just here in Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Temper us like we do steel, Lord. Temper us through the fire and give us the strength that we need to do what you call us to do. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray in all Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.